I'm wrestling, you're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everybody? This is Ben Askren. This is the T. Rowan Funky Show, and I'm solo this week. I actually have to go to Asia next week, so Tommy is doing his real job. So um, in my free time, I'm, I got Mr. Troy Steiner on the phone, so we're going to do a little interview with him. And this is going to be posted next week. For those of you who don't know, Troy was just uh, hired as the head coach of the newly resurrected Fresno State program. So what's up, Troy? Where are you at? I'm actually down in Fresno. Uh so I just uh, had the press conference yesterday, and I'm um, just kind of going through all the paperwork and all that fun stuff you get to do when you start a new job. Of course, of course. Um, so you guys had the press conference, and obviously the administration is pretty serious about making this program successful. I mean, I've heard that, and then I, I know you wouldn't have taken the job unless that was the case. So, um, you know, are you feeling a good vibe from them? Are you excited? What, what are you feeling about the future here at Fresno State? Yeah, no, I am really uh, feeling good about it. You know, it's always it's always comforting when uh, the driving force behind the whole thing was the president of the university. You know, and he he's the driving force behind bringing this back. And then uh, he just said we're gonna we're bringing this back and we're gonna put the resources into it to give him a chance to win. And um, and that's what I, the situation I was looking for. Nice, nice. Well, okay. Hey, I told you. I told you we were going to take this way back. And so for those of our listeners who don't know, Troy and his brother Terry coached me when I was a high schooler. Um, for the, I would say for the majority of my career, they started an awesome club called Advance, and then they were also the Wisconsin State coaches. So I've, I've known these guys for a while. And I, I just, when I, when I got Terry, uh, Troy on the phone, I said, hey, there's a bunch of questions. I realized I've never asked you, and I wanted to ask you. So, um, Troy, I think we're going to have fun with this. The first one is, is kind of funny. And you know how stuff gets changed over time, so I don't know how much of this is hyperbole and how much is true. But someone told me a story where uh, Roy, on your recruiting trip with your brother Terry to Iowa, that Royce Alger told you guys that, that they do uh, two-person rotation on uh, Aerodyne for 10 hours as a total joke, but you and your brother Terry actually did it. True, false, uh, embellished, what do we got there? Yeah, no, it's just- it's true. Um, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't Royce that said it. It was uh, a couple other guys that were on the team at the time, and um, and uh, they said that you know they come in at night and they'll ride bike all night long, and and um, as gullible as Terry and I were, we, um, this was not. This actually wasn't even on our recruiting trip. So we went down. We did. Oh, okay. We went there for a camp one summer. And uh, so these guys were on the team, and they were saying that they you know, ride bike all night. And uh, so as gullible as we were, we went home and was thinking, well, I guess we got to do it, you know. <laughs> so one night, so one one night, we decided we we're going to get this Airdyne bike and put it in front of the TV, and we we traded off every five minutes, 
and we went for six hours. Damn. And uh, my my parents thought we were nuts, which I guess looking back at it, we probably were a little nuts. But um, how far did you go? But, yeah, how many miles? So, uh, but, and then was, the funny thing is about it was we got down to Iowa after we you know decided to wrestle there, and we got down there. Well, the we found out the two guys that told us that story were they were probably the biggest slugs on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but uh, but I guess for us it was still a thing that mentally it was a thing that gave us an edge. You know, we knew no one else was doing that, or at least at our level at that yeah, time. For and, sure, uh, it gave us, gave us an edge. Hey, you could see how Royce could get mixed up in that story, though, because Royce is always he's always up to no good, trying to play jokes on people. Oh yeah, he's a prankster. He's got definitely a lot of stories. Yeah. So, um, and so the, the next question, it's it's more of a current issue, but obviously we you know history repeats itself, right? So we can always take it back. So, the Ramos thing that just happened with Daniel Dennis, um, and Tommy and I have discussed this many times. And, you know, I was fairly critical of Ramos for, for multiple reasons. Uh, but, you know, one of the biggest ones is that I don't think with the international weights being so far apart, it's hard to find partners. So my, my thing is you almost need someone else in your room that's on a high level that's competing at your weight if, you re- if your goal is really to be the best in the world. And I yeah. know that you saw this over, you know, probably a lot of weight classes. Well, you know, you were there for the... 92 cycle and 96 cycle in Iowa City, which is just packed with Iowa guys all up and down the lineup. Um, so, you know, what, what's your take on this? As someone who's, you've seen it happen before. You were, the, you were there when it happened, I don't know if it was the original time, but, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you, you know, I mean, as, an, as a competitor, as an athlete, you just got to focus on and worry about yourself and need what you need to do. You know, I... I really wish Ramos just wouldn't have gotten in front of the camera. You know, someone would have pulled him aside and said, "Not right now," because it, I, I, I think Ramos is a hell of a competitor, and and um, I just think it was that just his emotions were so high from the situation. I wish he just wouldn't have gotten in front of the camera when he did. You know, because it, it made him look didn't make him look good. Um, you know, and it didn't look make the Iowa program look good and it's that's just how it is and at that level you're gonna have guys around and you want to have guys around and to train like that so I think that just the situation that was for, unfortunate that he got in front of the mic or in front of the camera right after he came off the mat you know yeah for sure because I, I remember in uh was it 96? I think you wrestled the same weight as one of the brands is. Is that right or wrong? Am I off? Yeah, Tom, Tom and I were at the same weight. And then 2000, know, didn't you have McElravey at your weight? So you're, you're against uh, an Iowa guy. Barry, Barry, Barry had McElravey. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, you know, it's, we were, but, you know, with McElravey, we lived with McElravey. You know, we, and when he came in as a young guy, he lived with us. So, yeah. It's just one of those things you just got to, you're not wishing any bad on anyone else, but it's, you're just worrying about what you need to do, and you can't really focus on the, uh, the competition too much. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely a unique situation, but I, I think with the prevalence of these RTCs popping up all over the country, and I, I'm sure you're going to want to do something like that at Fresno State, uh, you know, I think it's something that we're going to see more and more often. Obviously, the Ohio RTCs 
getting bigger and stronger. The Penn State RTC is getting bigger and stronger. So I think that's a problem. You know, people wrestling each other that uh, is going to happen quite frequently, especially with the unlimited amount of weights. I mean, we got six weights now. Bender's obviously. If you, I don't know if you saw our show, but Bender said that they're they're thinking about propping it up to ten in non Olympic gears, which would be fantastic. Um, yeah. But definitely something you're going to see going down the road if you're building a big, strong RTC is some guys are going to wrestle each other, and that's just, I think that's the yeah, end of the day. If they, you know, you just got to put it to them. If they meet, it, if they meet, and that's in a situation like it was with Ramos and Dennis, but, you know, you're going to work with both guys as much, help them develop as much as they can and get them to the highest level you can. And if, if they meet, they meet. That's just, And that's the way it is, you know. I mean, you don't, it's not like you're picking one over the other. You're just, you know, it's just yeah. uh, you, know, you wish them both the very best, and you, you try to help them out. You know, and and obviously one's going to win, one's going to lose, and and you pick up and you go from there, and you help them out from there. For sure. So, so uh, kind of right right along the same lines, not not, not the exact story, but right along the same lines. Um, and you already brought his name up. I already brought his name up. But you know, one of the, I think one of the ultimate stories is selflessness, and, and I hope I'm getting this right. I hope I don't blow it. But I believe it's your senior year, and I think you're a defending NCAA champion. Dan, Dan Gable comes in and says the only way we're going to win the national title as a team this year is if Troy drops down to 134 and we insert true freshman Lincoln McElravey at 142, and then obviously your twin brother Terry is up at 150. Um, and you make the decision for the team. And, and am, I, am I right on this one so far? Am yeah. I, okay, so, so you were the, the, literally the defending NCAA champion at 142 pounds. And you make the selfless decision for the team to drop down to 134. Um, I, and I guess I didn't know, but you said you live with Mac wherever. So, you know, what, what all went into that decision? How easy was it? Was it something you thought about for days, weeks? Or was it just like, yeah, no problem, coach. I got it. Yeah, well, what happened was it actually, it actually started the, the summer before we were doing camps in Iowa City. And, and we had a practice after one of the camp sessions and then we came, I came out of practice and I was I walked outside I was walking across to, to go over to the dorm to eat and and there was a there was actually a guy in a wheelchair that I was kind of talking to and that, as I was coming out of the building and he said well, how do you think the team's looking for next year and I said oh, I think we're looking good you know if we keep we just got to keep developing and keep moving in the right direction here and we should be fine and he goes Ah, uh, you guys aren't going to win it. You lost too much because we lost. We lost. <laughs> who's this? Wait, who's this guy? This some I, guy? I don't know. So some guy. I don't even. I don't even know. But <laughs> he. So he's. You know. He said you lost six seniors. There's no way you guys are going to do it. And I mean, at that point, I wanted to push him out in front of like a damn car. But, <laughs> but but I always remembered that, and I've always. It was always on the back of my mind, and and as the season got going. You know, we we were struggling as a bit as a bit, and after Christmas we had the national duels. Nebraska beat us. Penn State was looking very strong, and and uh, actually Zaleski came up to me and said, "What do you think about dropping down?" So Jimmy, that's Jimmy, right? And he's the assistant coach at this point. Yeah, Jim was the assistant at that time, and he's and as well, I said. I want to wrestle up. I want to wrestle the All Star meet at 142, and that was at that was like February 1st. Yeah. And I said I I, I want to wrestle that at 42, but I will. I'll try to. I'll try it. 
And uh, so I went to the All-Star meet. It was on a Monday out in Lehigh. And I wrestled 142 with a seven-pound allowance, so I got to weigh 149. Damn. Seven-pound allowance for the All-Star? Yeah. Wow. At that time, we got And then... Uh, and then on that Friday, we had Northwestern at home. And uh, so I came back on Tuesday, and... Uh, I weighed. I stepped on the scale. I weighed about one fifty-two. And you know, I was, I, it wasn't like I was. I was carrying a lot of excess. I yeah. was pretty lean at the time, and so I dropped down to forty-two. But I was at thirty-four, and I made weight Friday. And but I said I wanted two guys weighing in at one forty-two. I wanted McIlravey to weigh in, and then we had another guy in the in the room, uh, Jimmy McLaughlin, and I said I wanted both those guys to weigh in at forty-two because of. I came out the mat and I didn't feel right, and I want I didn't want Lincoln to step on the mat because once Lincoln oh. steps on the mat, the decision is made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Wow, that makes sense. Okay. So I came out the mat, or I came to the edge of the mat. I was walking up, and and I didn't feel great, but I knew it was the first time down, and you know I, you know, crashing down so quickly that I knew I wasn't going to feel great, but um. I came out the mat and Gable grabbed me and said, who do you want out there? And I said, if Lincoln wants to go, let him go. Wow. So Lincoln, Lincoln ran all around the mat and the decision was done. Well, then what happened was um, Lincoln went out there and got tech fouled, actually. By Wait, wh- what? Yeah. By who? Lincoln went, I think it was Periano. If wow. I remember right. And I... And, uh... And we went to dinner that night. It was Lincoln and my brother and I and Lincoln's dad. And and Ken was not happy about it. He was up, very upset that he came out of red shirt. And and I, we just sat there. And I just said, "Hey, I said we can't we can't look back right now. We got six weeks here to get ready for NCAs." And I said, "We we just got to get get going and move forward." I mean, it's the decision's done. Yeah. So, and for the most part, it worked out. You know, I mean, the Lincoln won, Terry won, we won the team title. You know, I, I lost, but I and I, I can't, bl- I don't blame it on the weight cut. I really don't. I, I think it affected my mind more than anything. It, you know, it should have been a time in my life where it was, should have been such a great time and fun to be, a, be there. But yeah. I, I think where the weight cut affected me was it was. Uh, I just wanted the season to be over with. Oh man! And I and it, uh, so that's where it really affected me. I don't I don't blame. I I at that point I was physically I was fine. I think I don't think it took much out of me, but I think mentally it was it, it really got to me. So how wait? Um, but yeah. So, so uh, let's go back. How did how does Lincoln Malcolm? Because I never heard that part of the story. How does he get teched? Because you know he goes on to obviously win a national title. Six weeks later, yeah. was it the nerves? Was it the weight cut? Was it? It was the nerves. You know, it was his first time in Carver. Yeah. And I don't care. I don't care your first time in Carver if you're the if you're from wrestling for Iowa or wrestling for the the opposing team or it doesn't really matter. It's still you're just not ever the the nerves hit you and um and uh, but after that he started adjusting and you know they did. They had matches for him out on the on the floor, you know, and pump noise into the into the arena to kind of try to assimilate the situation. And 
you know, and the rest is history. He came out and ended up, you know, obviously turning it on and winning the title and then and doing great things after that. So yeah. for the most part, it all worked out, you know. And 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 if I was ever back in the same situation, I would probably uh, I would do the same thing because I always remembered that guy in the wheelchair coming out of that coming out of practice the summer before because I as being one of the leaders on the team I didn't want I didn't want to go out not winning a big ten title for the team and and not winning the national title. Dang, isn't so, it crazy how something little like that, just just a random yeah, occurrence yeah, from I, a nobody can make that big of a difference in Yeah, and I I, don't, I wish I knew who the guy was <laughs> because I, I would in in some ways I'd like to slap him. <laughs> in some ways, uh, I'd like to thank him for for the giving me that type of motivation. Yeah, maybe it was a you know Gable was the master of mind games, Troy. Maybe it was a plant. Maybe, maybe. Gable knew you needed to hear that, <laughs> and he put that guy there that day. Maybe, maybe I don't know. All right. Well, that was actually that's kind of my next question. It says, uh, you know, obviously there's there's been books written about Gable. There's been stuff talked about Gable, you know, everywhere in wrestling forever. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously I have my thoughts on why he was so successful, but you were so close to the situation for so many years. If, and obviously I know it was many things, but if there's one thing that you can pick about Dan Gable, what was it that made him so successful? Because he's had, you know, even now, 20 years later, there's no one who's, who's came close to the amount of success that he's had. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing when I look at look back at when at my days at Iowa, I think he just created the the right environment that was uh, just you know is an environment where you had club guys around, you had guys training, you know, those post grads training there, and at the time there wasn't a lot of that at any other place. Hmm. You know, that was. That was one of the few places where, where that was that happened, and um, I think that was a huge thing. He created that type of environment, and then obviously the the way he read his athletes and and was able to push their buttons in different ways. You know, I think that's what probably separated him from other coaches. Yeah, definitely. So who who coming kind of coming off that question? Uh, who were some of the older guys at the uh, you know Hawkeye Wrestling Club at that time, or maybe on the team? I don't know. Uh, that were your mentors, friends, whatever. The you know kind of guys you give some credit to for your success. Well, when I first came in to, to Iowa, guys that were around my weight that I worked with a lot were, you know, uh, Brad Penrith was there, um, Greg Randall, uh, Barry Davis was there. Randy Lewis was still around. Dang. Uh, well, Lewis was still competing there. that long, or was he just uh, hanging out? He, well, well, he com- <laughs> he competed in eighty. He competed in eighty eight. Okay. We we came in in eighty nine. Yeah. Or, uh, we came in in the fall of eighty eight. So he was still around the room wrestling and and um, was you know very much involved. Um, and then uh, you had Royce was there. Rico Chipperelli was there. Um, you know, it was there was a lot, there was a lot of guys still around there. Training. Yeah, that's a that's a heck of a, a roster right there. Well, okay, so then and 
I'm fuzzy on this, but you can set me straight if I'm wrong. I believe then you go start your coaching career at the University of Wisconsin um, after you leave Iowa City. Is that is that true? Am I, am I missing something there? No, actually, I I stayed in, I graduated from Iowa in '93. Yep. And I stayed, I stayed there for two years, and then Terry stayed there for one year, and then Terry left in '94 to go out. To, he went out to Oregon State with uh, Joe Wells, and the second year Terry was out there because it was the '95-'96 season. I went out. There was a volunteer position open, and I went out there to basically be, be with Terry to train for the 96 trials. And um, so it, at the, the staff we had out there was Joe Wells, Randy Couture, Terry, and myself. Wow, and, um, nice. And then Lutz was, Gutchess was there, and he was, you know, he was a senior that year, but he was obviously, he made the, the Olympic team that year. So we had us four were training out there, you know, trying to make that, that Olympic team that year. And then, so I stayed there for a year because I knew Lutz was graduating. I knew they were going to keep him around that yep. program. So I, I knew I was just basically going out there for a year. And uh, so after that, I went to the University of Minnesota for a year. Wow, and, I, made, um, I missed two stops. I, I'm way off. And I didn't even realize you were Oregon State, cause, and so maybe that's a precursor to you going there later. But, wow, I, I was – Totally missing some years here. Yeah, so I went. Then I went in '96, '97 season. I was at Minnesota, and um, I spent a year there. I got my master's degree there, and uh, trained there. And then, and then there was my brother. At that, the same time I went to Minnesota, he went to Wisconsin, and um, and then after my first year at Minnesota, or my, my only year at Minnesota. There was a position opened up at Wisconsin with the state coaching position and the volunteer position, and I decided to take that because I decided to train until 2000, and I wanted to be again near Terry, and uh, we decided to you know do it together, and so that's when I went to Wisconsin. Oh, nice! Wow. So yeah. So you guys kind of like went and found each other a few times, you know. You separate, yeah, we did. come back uh, together we did. again. We just knew if we were going to train and we were going to and compete at the, you know, and try to make the world team or Olympic team, we wanted to have each other there to push each other and uh, and really, you know, just keep each other up when things were down and give each other a kick in the butt when we needed it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we always had we always had that going through high school and college, and we're why do we want to change now for looking to make it, you know the make it at the highest level. Yeah, hundred percent. So and then, so that's where I meet you. That's where that's where I, I come into the story. <laughs> so yep. uh, obviously you were the Wisconsin State coach, um, and then I it was you, not Terry, who started in advance. Or am I wrong on that? Also, no, no, that's right. Okay, yeah. so then. So then I start training at Club Advance, which is still going in Wisconsin, being ran by Brad Owens. Um, so I, I get to spend a couple of years with you, get to know you guys, think you're fantastic. And then um, I'm off to college, obviously, and then you take off to Iowa as Jim Zaleski gets the head job. Uh, and so you spent, what, six, six years there, seven years there, back in Iowa? No, no, no. I was, I was in Wisconsin from 97 to 04. Oh, and I shoot. went 
I was only in Iowa for two seasons. Oh, yeah, 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 because uh, one of the brands went somewhere else. Is that correct? Yeah, Tom went out to Virginia Tech, and that's when he went to Virginia Tech. That's Got when it. Jim called, called me and asked me if I wanted to come in there and be his head assistant. Nice. And so, so you, you only spent two years at Iowa, uh, and then obviously that happens with Jim, and, and you follow Jim. So you, you must have been pretty close to Jim. You follow him all the way out to Oregon State, which apparently you already had an assistant coaching job there, which I, I missed that part. Um, and I, you know what? I, when I was thinking of this, I think that this is kind of telling is that when you and Jim went out to, to Oregon State, you kind of build the program from, you know, not saying it, it was always nothing because when you were out there in the mid-90s, they had, a, they had a really good program, but they were kind of yeah. down. They were kind of nowhere. And so you and Jim got this uh, program to build essentially from nothing on the West mm-hmm. Coast, and that kind of is probably going to parallel the situation that you have going at Fresno State. Um, so, you know, obviously, do you think that prepared you for, for the challenge you're going to have now? Um, did you, you know, obviously you enjoyed your years at Oregon State, but, you know, what was your favorite part of being out there with Jim and, and all that stuff? Yeah, no, I, I think it really prepared me. You know, when I when Jim got the job at Oregon State and asked me to come with him, I, I, I knew the situation out there. I, I already had a pretty good grasp on a lot of those area coaches and especially the coaches in the state of Oregon and Washington. I knew those guys pretty well and I had still had kept in contact with those guys. So I knew that we had a situation that I felt could be built back up, you know, and and so I, we decided to go out there and, you know, we've had some pretty good years there and I'm not saying we busted into the Top top, but we've been close. And yeah, you guys been a couple of little situations, I think, and we we close. It's a, it's a great program. They get, and they gave us they gave us great support there, the administration, and so it's uh, it's a good thing. Yeah. But then when I looked for this situation down here, or I looked at this situation here, that it was tough, very tough to leave up there because of the support they had and. You know, and I spent ten years, of, the last ten years of my life up there, which has been unbelievable for my family, and that allowed me to really grow and develop too as a coach. And um, it's it, it was very tough to leave, but in in when it came down to it, this situation here was it was right for my family, number one, and uh, I just I feel the same. I I think there's even more, maybe a little more support from the the area. Uh, yep. It's unbelievable, overwhelming support that I've gotten in the last few days, and um, and the administration. Like I said before, we got the president as the driving force behind bringing this back. That's very comforting. You got uh, the AD and the associate AD that are very much behind it, and. And then you got the the Zinken family and some other donors out here that are gung ho, and so I I I feel a very similar situation that we had at Oregon State, maybe even maybe even a little better in some aspects. But it's you know it's, it's starting everything from scratch again, and and uh, but that's what intrigued me about it too is I get to put my hands on every aspect of this program and. I guess uh, you know if I fail, I fail, but um, I'll, I'll pick myself up and well learn from it and move forward again. 
but um, it's I, I think it's a unique, very unique situation here. For sure. So l- let me touch on one thing you said there. Is that, you know, at Oregon State, you've, you've had your, your really good years, and obviously you've had some down years. And Tommy and I kind of talked about this on the program with, uh, you know, North Carolina State kind of coming out of nowhere and having a lot of success this year. And then I talked about my experience of at Missouri about being a, a non-traditional powerhouse, coming to have success, and kind of the ups and downs and how, you know, your Iowa's and your Penn State's and your Oklahoma's, they're going to get the top recruits every year. And so it's, it's hard for them to bounce down too far. Right, it's hard yeah. for them to go to yeah. top five to twentieth. But at Missouri, you know, that was the kind of thing we experienced. And now, obviously, Brian Smith's been able to kind of continue some of that success. But you know, in the earlier years, it was definitely a up and. I mean, I remember one year where we finished second at national duels, and I think we were seventeenth at nationals or something, some crap like that. Yeah. So uh, you yeah. know, I gave my opinion about why it's really tough for the non-traditional powerhouse programs to have. Six, continued success over time, and then you know, long, when you kind of get long term, then you can kind of have more of it. But initially, it's very difficult. And so, um, you know, what are some of your reasons or thoughts on why it's so tough for those programs to have that kind of sustained success over a bunch of years? Well, I think, I think like here, the biggest thing that I'm glad I have one year to get this thing the foundation set because I think you have to have that foundation set so strong. And every aspect in place with the with the RTC and um, and all that. That if you don't have that, I think you're going to have. It's going to be easier to go up and down. Yeah. Or, or not stay up on at a at a high level. But if you have all those aspects in place, and you then you start getting the depth into the room, the depth in the competition in the room then it's going to happen, but it's going to take a little bit of time to get the depth in the room, you know, and that's, Definitely. that's I think, in those early years, that's what where you struggle, because if you have one guy go down, you don't have someone that can jump in behind him and per, maybe perform at the same level. Yeah. And uh, I, see, I think it's uh, now you look at a program like Missouri, you have a little bit more depth where you, one guy goes down, it's not going to kill the program. Someone's going to jump in and, and at least be competitive. And maybe they won't be at the same level, but they're going to be very competitive and be able to compete with about anyone. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you saw that, obviously. We saw that at a lot of programs last year because I'm like Oklahoma State where they got Crutchmer go down and then, um, oh, heck, what's his name? from? He's from Washington. You know what I'm talking about. Chandler Rogers. Yeah, Roger. Hops in and has success. Obviously, Missouri had a couple of those weights where um, – you know, where they, they redshirted their 57-pounder, who was a good wrestler, and a backup 41 comes up to 57 and wins the freaking MAC conference. So, you know, when you're talking about depth, yeah, that's de- and it, it is taking years because I remember, like you're talking about, in the early years of Missouri when one guy would go down and then the, the backup would just get mauled. I remember one year we had a, a couple years we had a heavyweight situation where we just had a heavyweight who was getting <laughs> drilled constantly. Um, definitely yeah. rough situation. Okay, no, so and that's, that, and that's what I like about this situation here, you know, being in this valley that I'm in right now, this, there is the wrestling is very strong, and I, I feel I can have that depth that was pretty that, quick. You read my mind. Cause that, that was the exact question I was going to ask. Uh, so with... With the valley, the Fresno Valley, right? I said, I said you put a fence around it, and it 
probably, if not the best, very, very close. I think you got the Chicago area is hot right now. Lehigh Valley is always around Pittsburgh. you got a few other areas that are hotbeds of wrestling talent in America right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you count the sheer amount of wrestlers and tough wrestlers that are coming out of the Fresno Valley, um, there's so many right now, but very few of them are staying at home because obviously there's only, there's only three other Division One colleges in the state of California right now. There's so few of them staying at home, but I feel like whenever I meet California people, they love California, and there's a lot of pride in California. And so, you know, if you can give them a really good, viable option where they're going to be successful and stay at home, I feel like you're going to have a lot of success. So, you know, is I, I think I think the answer is going to be yes because you've kind of already hinted at it. But it is the main plan right away to freaking put a fence around the valley and say you guys are coming to Fresno State and we're going to win here. Yes, it's the state. You know, I, I want the state. I want the state to be here. But you know, that's the first thing I got to do is I got to create the, I got to set the environment. I've got to create or make sure that they can see this place and say I can go there and win. I have an opportunity to win. But I think with if I if I put this thing together right, that I'll have that situation for them, and if they can stay close to their families, close to their support group, and um, and stay at home, well, why wouldn't they? They just haven't had that. They haven't had that situation, so they have had to leave. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, but if I can create that for them, why would you want to? Why would you want to go into the Midwest? Why would you want to go to Minnesota or? or Chicago and be in 40 below weather when you can be out here and 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 have a similar situation that yep. you've had your whole life. You know, sure. And I think a lot of, there's a lot in this valley, um, you know, a lot of the, it's a, definitely an agriculture, farming communities, um, very tight-knit families. So it, they're going to want to, see their kids wrestle. They're not going to be able to travel a lot of times and go all over the place, but they can stay right here. They'll, they'll be able to watch them all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let me ask you... Uh, very unique. Let me ask you one question about California, and I don't want to make you... I don't want to make you any enemies right away, so if you want to say, I don't, I don't want to answer, you can say, I don't want to answer. So the California State Tournament, this is going to be a little bit of editorial on my part. The California State Tournament has 800 wrestlers, right, or 800-something in one division. So you got yeah. one state champ out of 800. And I think they take a lot of pride in it, but from my, my stance, you know what, I think it's very negative to their college recruiting process because, you know, I was at Arizona State, obviously, for a little bit, and when you look at some of those other Western states, they got say thirty teams for per division, right? So you got to be the best out of thirty kids to have to be a state championship, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, Missouri, I think was in the sixty to seventy range. Wisconsin's a little over a hundred. But you know, the way I feel about it, I was in Wyoming. They had 11, 11 in one division. I mean, that's like a regional or something. Jeez Louise. Yeah. <laughs> but so in California, I feel like a lot of these kids are kind of getting buried, right? I mean, even if you're the the tenth best. Right or the twelfth best—that's like being a state champ in Missouri, and so they're mm-hmm. getting recognized. And I mean, I know I know what Missouri, for example, uh, a Mark, Mark Ellis, national NCAA champion, was uh, was a one-time state player and then won a state title his senior year. I mean, if he's in California, he doesn't win. He doesn't come close, and maybe he never gets discovered. Or a Michael Chandler never won state. You know, he's a state runner-up, and so uh, and that's sixty teams in one division. So. 
is is the, is the one division state championship, 800 teams, is that negative to the college recruiting process, number one? And number two, how, how can you, um, you know, as someone who's going to coach in California, kind of find the the diamonds in the rough? Because they're out there. I mean, I, I remember coming to some dudes with teens and some camps in California and wrestling with some kids and being going, God dang, that kid is good. Like, what he plays at state? And they're like, oh, he didn't even go. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Well, what? He would have won Wisconsin, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know, you can look at it as a negative or a positive any way you want. I think that for me as a coach here recruiting, and I, I mean, I've been in Oregon State recruiting down here for 10 years, I, you just got to have the contacts in the state and, the, you know, have the relationships with the coaches where you can go to certain coaches and and get their honest opinion on someone. And you know, and that, and then and then once you get a lead on someone or you see someone, you know, then then you got to take it from there. But um, I don't know. I like it. I because when I come down here to watch a state tournament, the, you know, I've been down there about every year. Um, you see matchups right away, and guys are used to battling for to pull out wins. Where in the, yeah, you know, in some of the states. You know, Oregon was one, Washington was one. Where you know, there's there's no there's no competition for the kids. Where they they're pecking and pinning everyone. Where yeah, that doesn't happen in the state of California. I mean, yeah. too much. I mean, there's obviously some some that do it, but um, it, they're used to battling. So when it gets in, they get into the college level. There's going to be some battles, you know, and there's going to they got to learn how to win those some of those close matches, or at least fight through situations in matches that you that maybe it could open up and maybe you do end up blowing the guy out. But there's always tough situations in matches until someone breaks down mentally or physically. And um, these guys are, or most of these kids are used to having those those battles mentally, at least dealing with it mentally. So yeah. I think it puts them at an advantage down the road. Yeah. That, that's a good take on it. And the state tournament, it, it, it is in Fresno, right? So you've been, you say you've been there for 10 ba- years. It's in Bakersfield. Oh, it's in Bakersfield. Yeah. Dang. It's only 100 miles. Okay. Well, I, well Fresno's got, what, what's their big one then? The Doc Buchanan or something? Yeah, the Doc B. Okay. Yeah. That's a big one we all watch. Well, cool, cool, Troy. I appreciate you spending the time. Um, I mean, I'm out of questions. Unless you got anything else for us, I think uh, I think we're good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, okay. Are you ready for this fight coming up, or what? No. Well, you know what? I just I had my fight, and so now I'm going to Asia for a media tour. So I, you know, I gotta oh, go. Okay. I gotta go walk around, kiss babies, smile for cameras, wave that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So you know what? It won't be bad. Not my favorite thing. You know, you know me. I love to compete. So uh, yeah. I, I actually got word on my next fight, but it's not it's not quite public yet, so I, I can't tell anybody. Um, but I'm excited. I'll be announcing it hopefully not too far in the future. Good. So. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I've thought of you a lot because um, I remember when you chose to go to Missouri, I always, uh, I, I really respected you for that because you weren't going somewhere that already had the name, that already had the program built, but you were looking for the challenge to make your mark and and uh, and really help build a program, and I'm looking. I'm right now. That's the type of kid I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone that's not afraid of that challenge. Yeah. And, uh, because 
some of them are going to want to go or it's already the, the the way has been paved and and the path has been already show, and it's already out there for them and I, I'm looking for the sim, similar guy that isn't afraid of the challenge and Definitely. knows that they can get it done and that's so I, I've thought of you a lot like how do I how do I entice these guys and, and really show them that it can be done here. So, you got to find um, some white kid with an afro walking around tie-dye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, usually that's a bad idea to, to sign a kid like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, when I was at Missouri, uh, when I went to my recruiting trip, um, and you know, this will be where you're at in a few years, it, you know, Brian Smith had a vision of what his program was going to be, and, and he was putting it in place. And when I went to Missouri, obviously they had never had success yet. But I could tell the pieces were in place. And then obviously, you know, even before I made my mark, that they were able to get a top 25 finish when I was uh, redshirting. And I could just tell that I could tell that the, the right kids were there, you know, the ones that want. They might not have been that good, but they wanted to work hard. They were excited about the, the challenge. The coaches all actually thought they weren't. They actually thought they could be good. You know, they weren't saying, "Well, we're Missouri. We're, not, we're never going to be good." The coaches yeah. legitimately, I bought in. They legitimately thought they could be good. So, you know, I felt that vibe when I was going there. And then, obviously, like you said, I, I look forward to the challenge of of doing what all these people thought could be done to actually doing it. And so, um, and I'll tell you, that journey was it was fantastic. And, um, you know, I, th- I don't think I could have been happier if I would have chose anywhere else. I, I love the decision I made, and um, it really worked out well for me. So I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, these first few years, you're just going to be looking for those tough, hardworking kids who want to be good. And, uh, and then a few years down the road, you're going to be looking for those kids who, who see the vision that you have and, and want to make it come true. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Sure. Really exciting. It's very exciting. Well, all right, Troy, that was fun. Thanks for coming on with us, and uh, and we'll be following you in your journey at Fresno State, and hopefully uh, when you start kicking some butt, we'll have you back on here, and we'll talk about how fun it's been. Sounds good. I, I, don't, I hope it's not too long. Us too. All right, man, have a great day. All right. See ya. You are listening to the T-Row and Funky Show, brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built.